Hello and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. It's two friends, three topics, and unlimited pop culture. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alyn. And on today's show, we have Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> it's all Ethan anyone Hawk. it's all anyone needs. Yes, uh, and a few other people in there with Moon Knight. We have Batman becoming a a detective? This can't be right. On <laughs> Batman and um, pirates gaily roaming the Caribbean in Our Flag Means Death. So uh, how are you doing today, Lynn? Good. I was I was going to say to you that I, I read a joke about the Batman and it said that it's like it's how your aunt would call a movie. Like, oh, it's the Batman. Oh, yes. I absolutely <laughs> agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> because it is. It's like, you. oh, it's the Batman. Right, exactly. Awkward title aside. It's a very awkward title. (laughs) Yes, and, you know, we're going to get into it. But finally, the news that we've been waiting for, the sequel was already was greenlit. And it feel like it took a little bit for that news to hit. Yeah, that um, that was almost surprising that that wasn't announced before the first one even came out. Right. (laughs) Because that's so common these days. You know, that's not that's not something that they they're like, oh, no, no, we must. We must hold this card, you know, like they just they throw that out all the time. And there was so much there was so much like um setup and, and world building in this. You know, it was so obvious that, you know, this was like a like a soft reboot. You know what I mean? So, yeah, mm. exactly. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah, they didn't renew that when I saw the, the news come out that it had been renewed. I was like, maybe I'm just making things up mm. about it. Yeah. Well, let's start with. um. Oh, you're going to sing the song? Let's start with Random Netflix Roundup. Woo! Random Netflix Roundup. Random Netflix Roundup. And I would like to say credit to Saturday Night Live. Mm, uh, yes, we, we didn't know that last time, but the listeners figured it out real yes. fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, all of those decades of, you know, watching television, it got in there. It got in there. It did. It did. Okay. Now, interestingly enough, um, the random Netflix roundup that we're doing today uh, was supposed to be one for you and one for me. But then yes. when you told me what you were watching, I was so intrigued by it. I went and watched it myself. And now I saw the the whole thing as well. And I was I was surprised. I was like, wow, because I was just telling you about it. I guess we should reveal what it is. Um, yes, it is Murderville. <laughs> which I just love. I just I, I want to live in Murderville. I, I mean, it'd probably be bad for my health, but I would like to live there. And I, I, the concept of it, I guess it's based on a British show. Yes. Um. And sorry, my dog is knocking stuff over. So the concept of it is there's only a handful of people that are on the show mm-hmm. who are quote unquote actors. So it's like you have Will. Uh, Will Arnett playing Terry Seattle, which is like the best. <laughs> Who's never been to Seattle. Yes, and he, he just says, like, never been, never been. Mm-hmm. And then you have his his wife, his ex-wife, which you didn't know that until, like, the end of an episode. It's like, why aren't we, what are you going to come get yourself? It was something ridiculous. And mm-hmm. then you had the forensic expert. Um, right. Who, she reminded me of the forensic expert from Lucifer. Me too. Mm-hmm. That sort of, and then of course you had there was another police officer who was of course caught in a love triangle with mm-hmm. Will Arnett's ex-wife, and then everyone else was 
a random star playing themselves auditioning to be Terry Seattle's partner. And the interesting concept about it is you, there would have, there would be a crime and then you would have this actor trying to figure out who committed it. And you're figuring out, figuring it out as well at home. So I'd mm-hmm. like that. I liked that audience element of it. And I got First very upset. Thing, yes. Oh, you got very upset. Go ahead. When I, when I was like, I swear it was that person. And oh. It wasn't. You know, we you know we had a little bit of an advantage here because Damien and I watched them together, so we were bouncing things off of each other, and like he would remember something that I wouldn't, and back and forth. But um, the first thing that I want to say about this is I want this to be a real life thing. <laughs> like, can somebody make this a new version of those you know locked room puzzle kind of um, mysteries where you go and you're detective for a day and there's three suspects and they feed you some clues and then you got to remember them. And you, you know, you, I, I would do this. We would do this, Alin. We'd oh, be really absolutely. good. We'd be really good at it. Absolutely. And like the first, I did not get the, the Conan O'Brien episode. See, That's the one we didn't get either because we yeah. just didn't understand what was happening yet. Exactly. And then after that one, we had a hundred percent, Right. Because after that, we were like, oh, we know what we got to do now. We were all in. But the first one, you were just kind of like, what's happening? What's going on? Oh, it was this. Okay, got it. Yeah, I know. Because it's like, what is this show? Because it was just so Conan O'Brien is hilarious on his own. He (laughs) was the best one. Yes, I I I agree that he had been last instead of first. You know what I mean? And I think like he set the standard so high. Yeah. That everything else, I mean, there were, there were some other funny moments in shows, but like the other one who was really good in my mind was the girl from Schitt's Creek. Oh, Annie Murphy. Cause she was kind of like a detective slash Labrador. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I'm just thinking like the whole thing is just so ridiculous, especially cause every episode Terry Seattle um, is communicating with his partner when they go like undercover and like, I think she had like the most ridic- ridiculous lines yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that she had to say. and she just couldn't get through it, which was really, really funny. I love, yes. I love when they break. I love like, you know, good SNL. one for that bit was Marshawn Lynch because he, he gave him the most ridiculous name and Marshawn was like, yes, I prefer to be called by my first name. Like, <laughs> most ridiculous part or something and then the, the thing that was so funny to me is like Marshawn Lynch was so game in doing it like he's like all right and then when they had to pretend that he was the mirror during the interrogation scene yep. I just thought that it was just it was stupid it was funny and it just it was it made me laugh like yeah and, and even when you had um I like the Kum, uh, Kumal on Johnny one where yes. he where he had to like he made him walk in the uh, he's like you have a very specific walk. <laughs> the funniest part of that one for me was that uh, Terry kept trying to get him to admit his his high school girlfriend's name. Yeah, and then, like one of the suspects come along comes along and guesses the most random name you could possibly imagine, and it like freaked him out. He was like, "Whoa, that is shockingly close." <laughs> It's like, and the other thing, I'm not ruining it. Like, there's a, a random plot line about Terry Seattle's 
partner, former partner being killed, and you don't know who it is. And then randomly, they just show a picture of Jennifer Aniston in a police uniform. She's never seen in the show, never comes back. But I just picture Will Arnett calling Jennifer Aniston and saying, I need a picture of you in a police uniform. And she's like, for what? And he's like, never mind. Just send me a picture of you right, in a police don't ask. uniform. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's that kind of ridiculousness yeah. that I really enjoyed. And then I did find it funny when uh, Sharon Stone was on it and Will Arnett slash Terry Seattle's like, we can't fall in love. And like, she's just like, okay, not going to be a problem. And he's like, no, 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 we really can't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did enjoy this. It's it's not what have it usually would not have been my thing, but the whole mystery aspect of it pulled me through and I just found it really fun and I think every episode I was just determined to get it right and determined to like get that one clue. Like the the one that I was so proud of was the one where you had to figure out which guy was left-handed. You know what I mean? I know and when I guess and I, that is like I was so proud cuz I did that was the second episode, that was the first one that I got, but I was yep. like wait a second, when he threw that, he was left-handed That's or right. He, <laughs> when he used the bat, he was left-handed. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was fun. It's a good show. I think you guys out there would really enjoy it. Um, it's a great palate cleanser. Really, like, they're short episodes, you yes. know. They're like 20 minutes. You know, They're really doable. There's only like six of them. I really hope it gets renewed. I want to – because, like, Damon and I were trying to figure out, like, which celebrity would you want to see on Murderville? Right. Like, So do you have any answers, like, which – which person do you think would make for a really good, you know, junior detective? I I would have to pick, and I say this because I, I tend to see him, I, I follow him on Instagram, and he tends to laugh all of the time, and he's constantly scared of things. He's our Captain America, Chris Evans. Like, oh, that's he, a good one. He's got that, like, laugh that he just, like, he. I, I read an interview that him and Chris Hemsworth couldn't do interviews together because they would act too juvenile together. Like they couldn't get through interviews because they were just making each other laugh the entire time. I imagine like fart jokes and stuff. Yeah. Like they were like, don't put them together. Like that could not be any sort of combination, but he, I, I just think he doesn't get a chance to be funny and he seems to be really funny in real life. As I watch him on Instagram from mm-hmm. afar. Mm-hmm. So he's my, he's that's the first one that popped into my head. I think for me, I would go with Bruce Campbell. Oh, yeah. And what's cool is um, I know I, I, I know you've already seen it and I, I don't want to know. But mm-hmm. I know that Sam Raimi directed um, Doctor Strange Mom. Which I love people are calling it that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, multiverse of madness is Mom. Yeah, it's 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 a tongue twister. Right, exactly. It's a lot of syllables. Yeah. A lot of letters. So um uh he often has a uh Bruce Campbell cameo in his movies. So I'm I'm hoping that one will pop up. I don't know if there will be or not, but don't answer. I don't wanna know. But I'm not I'm not answering, but I do okay. just I do just love the Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell connection it's one of yeah. those adorable friendships in hollywood that it's like i love it's like that. a james gunn and uh was it nathan fillion yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's just something he's where be, he'd like, be another good one on murderville oh, nathan fillion be. too yeah he would absolutely so it's like it's just one of those like hollywood friendships that mm-hmm. last years and years and it's like that's cool even though they've both gotten really famous they're still friends and still down to earth yep mm-hmm. so yep 
But uh, you watched something that I did not get to watch with, yes. with one of our favorite actresses, I think, oh, you and I, I combined. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I'm going to probably butcher her name, name, but Duna Bay. Yeah, that's how I pronounce okay. it. Yeah. Um, um, this was called The Silent Sea. Uh, this is actually, it's like a crossover. It's like random Netflix rama, uh, roundup and Korean drama roundup, right? Ooh, yeah. Um, and then it also has um, Yu Gong in it, which is the the guy from A Train to Busan, the father. Oh, okay. And uh, he's like a super hot, super bad A spaceship captain guy in this. So it was a good role for him. Um, but so, okay, so here's the thing with the silent sea. I watched all of this in like three days. Oh, wow. I needed to know the ending of this because what kept happening was like the mystery that you get in the first, say, two episodes is solved by episode three. But then there's a new mystery that's solved by episode five. But then there's a new mystery. That's do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Like it it kept doing that thing. So I could never 100% say, oh, I know what's happening here. Because every time I said that I was right, but then some new deeper hell would open up. (laughs) <laughs> just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And so I was like, I need to know how this is going to end. And to, you know, to be honest, it was really good. And it drew me through the whole thing all the way to episode eight. I think they flubbed the ending a little bit, mostly because they left it open for a sequel. And I just don't think you needed that uh, for this kind of a thing. I think it just it needed to end. And if they had just ended it, it would have been like, I would be on here saying, everybody go watch this right now. I'm still going to say I think it's a really good watch. And I I think you would enjoy it if you watched it. But just know that you're not going to get like 100% closure um, because they're they're being greedy about it. You know what I mean? And I, and I don't I don't know if there's a sequel or anything announced. Um, well, it's also the Netflix effect, yeah. I think, because the door is never really closed on any particular series. Like, I just finished um, two two shows dropped last week, and they're, they couldn't be more different, but I watched both of them. Uh, Ozark had its part two of its final season, mm-hmm. and Grace and Frankie had its final season, and both of them could absolutely come back. If they wanted to, like there's whether it is like a, you know, a miniseries or a a made for Netflix movie. And I think that's something that Netflix started with all of its reboots and and whatnot. It's people don't want to give that definitive ending because in five years, maybe they'll make another and it's more money. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the problem with the silent sea was that you actually could have ended this run and then done a new run later in a different way and it would have been totally fine you didn't need to leave this door wide open you could have closed the door and then there is so much in this this world that they built that you could so easily have picked it up later and run with it while still giving the closure to season one now i'm going to explain a little bit of it so people kind of know if they want to watch it or not but it's really one of those shows that's best if i don't explain very much okay um because it's got a lot of like mystery to it but i will say there is a fair amount of suspension of belief for this. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call that putting your brain in neutral. I agree. And I 
I had no issue with it. I like weird, you know, science fiction sometimes when it's fun and interesting. And this was fun, interesting, weird science fiction. And I was kind of all in. So they started out almost a little bit too realistic for me. There was like um, we the whole planet was basically going through a giant drought and to the point where like the oceans were drying up and like there were no more fish anymore. And it was like that could it was essentially be a real thing. Yes, it was a yeah. pretty bad future. Yeah. And um, none so, of the futures depicted on any television show are good. Right. Just like yeah. how there's no stable, loving relationships. It's always just drama. Yeah, just so, please, please give us a little bit of hope. Like the right, world is on fire right now. Can I we know. just have like, OK, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So <laughs> we're just a dumpster fire floating down a river of gasoline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we've got that sort of apocalyptic future. And um, what's basically happening is companies are trying to mine you know, asteroids and nearby planets for potential resources, looking for anything that might help us on Earth um, off planet. That's what so, Don't don't Look Up was about. They was let the, Yeah, they, they decided to let the asteroid try to hit the Earth. Um, what they were trying to do instead, they didn't allow it, but they thought they could mine certain, um, oh, certain rocks that are used to make cell phones. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, we can totally mine it. It's fine. It's fine. And it will be smaller. Well, it didn't work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, wor- the world ended. So that's, I'm like, okay. So yeah, all of this sounds completely believable to me right yeah, now. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's this group of um, space astronaut people uh, who are tapped to do a mission. And it's a very important mission on the moon. Hmm. Now there's a giant base on the moon. And um, the base is empty and locked down because apparently there was some kind of accident involving nuclear material. And we had to wait a certain amount of time before sending anyone up there to do anything. So here comes this mission of people who are being sent up to the moon to retrieve something. Now, they're being told what it looks like, but not what it actually is. It's just you need to get a sample that this lab on the moon was working on before the accident happened. Mm. So their mission is go to the moon, go to the lab, get the sample, get out. I don't know how much more I can say. I'm just going (laughs) to guess. I'm just going to say the mission does not go as planned. Oh, my God, no. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's it's eight episodes, but it's, it feels like a fast eight episodes. I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like there was any filler here. Hmm. There's a huge escalation in, you know, like, because you've got mysteries upon mysteries. You've got what was the accident? What happened to all the people on the station? What is the government telling you and not telling you? A few of the astronauts going up have duplicitous reasons for being oh, there okay um duna bay her sister was involved in the accident on the moon base and she doesn't tell anyone so like her immediate immediate thing that she does when she gets there is she wants to try and find her sister's body oh okay yeah so it's like that's like the only spoiler i'll give and you get that in episode one but oh yeah. you know it's and then it kind of crosses over into a bunch of different genres, like Alien. Okay. And um, <laughs> a 
know what? Sometimes weird is good because it's you know, not like I really expected. enjoyed it. Like I said, if they had if they had nailed this ending, I would have been telling you that I like this almost as much as Kingdom. Like I would be here saying, this is my second favorite Korean drama ever. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think it's worth watching if you like science fiction. It's fun. It's different. It's unique. I mean, they're they're pulling from a lot of different areas, but their perspective on it is different because it's a foreign perspective, you know? So, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think it's worth a watch. Just know that you're not going to get, like, a fantastic ending. That's the only thing I will say is that they kind of flubbed the ending a little bit, in my mind. Maybe you'll disagree. But okay. I, I still enjoyed it. And I, I liked a lot of different aspects of it. So, and so I was yes. going to say, and I'll say this, endings are hard. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's only a handful of shows that people are like, I really like the ending of that. Most of them are divisive. I would agree. Um, I would say out of all three of our big three, all three of those endings are divisive. Yes, so I, I mean, this is this is nothing new here, you know. So so you know what? That's a good point. You know, maybe I yeah. should cut them a little slack. All right. So um, okay. So we've got a new um, segment that we're gonna try out today, and our new segment actually has a sound effect that goes along with it. Ooh, Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I I love it. Right? I okay. love it. So our new segment is called the Classic Rewind, and um, it's basically about revisiting a classic movie. Uh, and you chose for the first first you know iteration of this <laughs> an incredibly strange <laughs> movie. Yeah, no, here's here's the thing, and I'm gonna go through how I came to this. Okay. Um, I'd never seen it. You should tell the audience what it yes. is. Yes. So I watch for the first time Basic Instinct. <laughs> yeah. It's from everybody in the audience now who has ever seen Basic Instinct. I guarantee you the only thing they remember about it is that like thing. Oh, yeah. And it's like and I'll tell you. So I I, I don't think I told you this, but I have a habit where I like to listen to books, but only like books that are nonfiction or biographies. And they have to be read by the author for me to listen to them. That's very specific. It's very specific. So as I was looking for something to take out of the library and download, I came across Sharon Stone's biography, The The Beauty of Living Twice. Okay. And, and I downloaded it. I was like, you know what? I've seen her in a lot of movies. Let me hear about it. Mm -hmm. And as she's talking about her different movies, like, here's another one I didn't see. I didn't see Total Recall. Oh, I, I have seen that one. Yeah. So I'm like. So, you know, obviously this you should said, do that one next. <laughs> I tried to I tried to look for it. Oh, okay. but it's not on a streaming service for free. So oh. I, I do plan to watch it. You do you have access to a Roku? I do. It, did you check there? Oh, I didn't check there because you, you know what I do? And it's very handy. Shout out to IMDb if you want to sponsor us. When you put in a movie, it will show you where it is. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So sometimes it will say like um amazon prime rental or amazon amazon prime free mm -hmm. like but in any event i was like i didn't see basic instinct and i'll tell you this so it came out in 1992 it was it celebrated i could hold on no it celebrated its 35th 30th anniversary no i am right look at that sorry math 
Math is yeah, math is really hard. Math you know? is so hard. It's so you're hard for automatically me. forgiven. You know. Thank I mean. you, thank you. So I had seen a lot of articles of, about it turning thirty. It was available for rent on not for rent for for streaming on HBO Max, and it was one of those like leaving this month. And I was like, oh, if I'm interested in this movie from thirty years ago, I should watch it. And watching it, everyone knows the famous. As you said, the the leg crossing, uncrossing scene. And there's quite a bit of controversy about that because I guess Sharon Stone didn't know you could see. Oh, really? Yes, because she was wearing underwear. And mm. I she was wearing white underwear. The director, Paul Verhoeven, said it's really coming off like there's a there's a there's a light coming off when you when you do that. Can you take them off? We'll shoot around it. Oh, so, boy. yeah, so she did it, shows up to the premiere, sees it, and is like, WTF, goes up and slaps him. What? Yes, and it was like, you didn't tell me that was going to be in the movies. And she went to her legal team to try to figure out what she could do. Because, like, this movie, it was going to come out. She's like, do I want to be the person that prevents this movie from coming out? Is that how I want, like to be known as, to be known as difficult and everything. And so she decided to let the movie come out and we all know that it's an infamous scene. Um, but here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to give a spoiler for a 30-year-old movie. Oh, no, everybody watch out. Watch out. They do a really good job of trying to throw red herrings at you because you know Sharon Stone's the murderer. Mm-hmm. And watching it, I was like, you know what? I'm impressed. Like, and the, you know, there was a lot of controversy, obviously, because of the, it was only in the 90s did we have a whole subgenre of erotic thrillers. Oh, <laughs> gosh, I know. I mean, they're completely, they're laughable now. And I say that because I watched Deep Water with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. Mm-hmm. And, it I don't was, think I've seen this. You don't want to see it. Okay, it is, fair so, enough. It is. It, it was supposed to be like sexy, like, oh, is he a killer? And it was more funny than <laughs> anything else. When you're trying to be sexy, the last thing you want to be called is funny. Yeah. Do you know, like, so Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck in it, he's like, you know, this millionaire, billionaire guy who created a, a drone. His wife cheats on him all the time. And when he gets upset, he goes... And he hangs out in his self-made snail farm. Yes, you heard me correctly. He has a snail farm. That's so cool. (laughs) I'm just like, what is this movie? How did it get made? But with Basic Instincts, I know it was like, I don't know about you, but my parents did not monitor the amount of violence I watched. Um, nah. I, I mean, nah. I don't think so. Yeah. Pretty but much for, watch whatever I want. But for movies with quote unquote sexual situations. Oh yeah. That was much more yes, monitored. <laughs> much more monitored. Like I watched Pretty Woman as like, you know, in my mid twenties, not realizing there were sex scenes in it because my parents made me leave the room. And oh, I was that's just, so funny. Yeah. My dad used to do this thing where he would take a couch pillow and put it over my face. Like, yeah. It, it, <laughs> Like vague, vague murder attempt slash hide the sex scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I never 
you know, it was like I didn't see Basic Instinct. Um, watched it. You know, it wasn't bad. There, there are a lot of problems with it, um, just because there's a lot of uh, transphobia, homophobia, those sort of things that you're like, ooh, about yeah. it now. Something like it's real cringy. And like, in comparison to what you can watch at 10 o'clock at night, this movie is so tame. Like the yeah. the scenes, it's like okay. So it like on a scale from like like all, like the tamest sex scene I can think of is from the Eternals. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And what's like the what's what what's a ten for? I you? don't know. <laughs> I would say I would I'd be like I don't I don't know where I would put that either, but I would say maybe a five. Okay. 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 So definitely like, not as tame as the Eternals. So. No. So it's like, and you, the minute you start the movie, it's like, oh, we're jumping right into this. Oh, and yeah. Th- and I was like, okay. Got to keep your I'm, audience from walking out of the theater. Exactly. But like, if you want to see Michael Douglas's flabby butt walking around, you can do that. Um, mm. You know, and the, the last thing I will say before we, before we go uh, stop talking about basic instinct is I was upset watching it because of course it says Michael Douglas in basic instinct. Oh, come on people. Right. And they haven't corrected it to put Sharon stone. And then because I like to finish things, the sequel basic instinct. Oh no, <laughs> no, I know. I watch it. It's horrible. It's just as bad as you would think. But I'm like, Sharon Stone, you're 47 years old in that movie. You look fabulous. Um, But watching it, it made me upset because it said Sharon Stone. And then in the, you know, the lead male role, they they cast David Morrissey, who's a British actor. He's been in The Walking Dead. But he got top billing. It was Sharon Stone, David Morrissey in Basic Instinct 2. So they still couldn't just let her have it. Yeah, just let her have it. I know. So such a pain. that's that's all I'm saying. So, right, but right. you know, criticisms noted. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. I mean, you you know what's gonna happen. You know who's the killer. Right. Um. You know. Oops, sorry, well, I knocked over a well, soda can. It's fine. It's fine. It's empty, it's, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, happy birthday to Basic Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> for what it's worth yeah happy birthday oh all right cool well if you ever want to do another classic rewind you can just let me know yeah. you know what when i find total recall yeah let's do, yeah do that i, I might even that. if you find it i would rewatch that with you yeah because it's like movies i haven't seen and that's what comes up like i listen to these books and it's like I went through like a Sally Field stage because I listened to her book. Mm-hmm. It's like anyone. Like I'm always just like, oh yeah, I saw them in a movie. I'll listen to it. It's like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Let me hear mm-hmm. your life story. Like right now, I'm listening to Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Oh gee, I, yeah. I love that man. <laughs> you, you would love, and I, it's I, I hate to say this, but like I requested it from the library when Taylor Hawkins died. Mm. Um. Because it's, I'm like, oh, wow. But yeah, Dave Grohl, I'm listening to it right now. He has such a great sense of humor, great sense of delivery. And um, I was just playing old Foo Fighters music the other day, like songs that Damien had never heard of. And he was like, you're going to make me go buy Foo Fighter albums. Yeah, (laughs) as he should. I mean, this is sacrilege to say, but Mm. I I like the Foo Fighters better than Nirvana. 
Oh, so do I. Yeah. I think people would disagree about the Probably. impact. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, I always like Dave Grohl. Yeah. So that's, I, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Total recall next. T- we'll, we'll, we'll do that one. For I sure. will find it. I will find it. Sweet. Not the right. reboot. Not the reboot. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely need some Arnold for that one. <laughs> Arnold. And I guess Arnold was really nice to her on set. That like, doesn't surprise me. He, he seems know. like a real good dude. Yeah. He's so all she, over Reddit all the time, too. Yeah. She said he was a complete gentleman. Like, you know. I was like, that's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, because you hear the opposite so often. Well, Steven Seagal, not so much. But you would, you imagine that though. Also, doesn't shock me at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, for our last little three, I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, Netflix's new um, trivia game that's called Trivia Quest. Uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys, have tried this yet, but you know, Netflix has a couple of different, you know, interactive. Uh, things that they put on there now they're they're sort of experimenting in all these different kinds of interactive things uh trivia seems like a real basic one to do um that's ba- it's actually based on a popular game that's called trivia crack which i used to play did I you play, i used to play trivia crack because okay it was a fun thing like every day at 3 p.m eastern central time you would get questions. Yes. And that's how this was kind of, I don't know if it's still going, but for a while it was every day new questions were released. Mm-hmm. Um, and each set has an easy mode and a hard mode. Um, they're timed. And I found the easy questions to be real easy. Like play with your kids easy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like for example, what, like say you had a, a, his, or a history or a ge- um, geography question. It may say something about, in this German city, and then there'd only be one city in Germany in the list. Oh, you know? So even if, okay. you didn't, even if you didn't know anything about the history, you could probably get the answer right. Um, so the if you're if you're an adult with some some stuff floating in your brains, you're probably gonna want to do the hard mode. Um, but the basic idea is when you answer the questions, you earn these little coins, and then there's sort of like a metagame in it where. There are all these like funny looking little characters that are locked up in cages and you spend your coins to release these little dudes from cages. Um, I will say that it feels to me like it's really meant for kids, even though there's a hard mode. Um, The the meta kind of idea behind it is cutesy, but it's very child ish. And um, there's like a whole kind of like intro that you have to sit through and there's like comments that are made and like little quips and different things. And you have to sit through those for every game. So that gets pretty repetitive after a while. The whole idea of earning coins or earning points that you could do stuff with is a neat idea. But like unlocking little cages so that little funny creatures can come out of them like didn't really do it for me. So... Yeah, I feel like you could have done something cooler with that. I'm not really sure what, but I feel like almost anything would have been better. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it feels like something that you would want to play with your kids. Um, and if there wasn't a hard mode, I would have just said, this is totally a kid's thing and it's great. But the h- fact that there's a hard mode makes me think that they want adults to play this. So, and I don't really see adults being super into it. So my recommendation would be to try it. I think it's fun. Um, it's pretty easy to play, um, and it's, it's, it's fast and you can get through a set of questions in like five minutes. So it's pretty easy to do, but I would say maybe play with a few of kids. Um, 
I know we just, we had talked about playing it, and then yeah, I and I then know. when you didn't like, we didn't bring it up again. I was like, oh, okay, Jamie didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's not worth. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like there's like an evil guy who's capturing these guys, and his he's a villain from Trivia Land named Evil Rocky. Oh. I, I, I don't know. So, I mean, you know, and you're freeing, like, these little characters. Like, one of them looks like a football. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. I, I'm just hoping that Netflix didn't spend too much money on acquiring the rights to Trivia Crack so we don't get it passed on to us in mm, the next break. <laughs> so many times. But, yeah. but yeah, I see your point. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's it's a cute little thing. Um, it it works well. It didn't bug out or anything for me. Um, but I would say it's it's very kid kid friendly, kid kiddish. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So are you ready to move on to our big three? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Number one, starring Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, and then Oscar Isaac again eventually. Mhm. Mhm. So we and- got Moon Knight. <laughs> And uh, uh, the voice of F. Murray Abraham. Oh, which was great. Yeah. <laughs> Although, Tolaret was my favorite. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to look up. Is is it someone we know who's oh, Tolaret? I have the list right here. Let me see if I can figure out who she was. Antonia Salib. Let me look up this person oh, and see if I recognize her. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. No, yeah. this is her first and only credit. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, is an actress known for Moon Knight. <laughs> um, Talaret had these little hippo ears that would twitch, and every time they twitched, I died a little, like of the cuteness. I was like, oh, like that was my favorite. <laughs> she was adorable. Um, but yes, okay, let's talk about the show. Um, <laughs> so first of all, um, I will say that this show was attempting to do something with mental illness. I don't mm-hmm. really know. Like Marvel's, this is not the first time Marvel has done this. Um, they did it in Iron Man three, and I I kind of think Iron Man three was almost a little bit more successful. Um, with the whole PTSD thing that Tony Stark had. Oh yes, okay. This one, you know, was dissociative disorder, and I feel like some of it was really successful in the fact that it made you. I, I think feel a sort of sympathy for Steven and and Mark and I don't I don't know that it was I'm, I'm sure it wasn't in any way shape or form accurate but I don't know how much like what am I trying to say here like the the it didn't seem like 100% done the way I wanted it to be done or like taken as seriously as I wanted it to be taken if that makes sense like I the whole scenes in the um the 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 psych ward, like I thought that was so cool at first because I was like, oh no, is he really in there? Is he not really in there? And then you get a real clear, definitive answer, and I was like, oh okay, well, that kind of downplayed the importance of that a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Right. I How mean, do you feel about that? I don't know. Something about it, I wanted it to work better than it did. Is like it, what I'm trying to get. That's yeah. what. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, and. Going into all of the episodes, we were going to do this at our last podcast. Um, yeah, but after, we wanted to see the end. Right. So it's like we kind of held back for, you know, our five listeners. We held back on on recording because we wanted to see 
how Moon Knight was going to stick the landing. And for me, it was very ambitious, very well done. Oscar Isaac was acting all three of his butts off. Yeah, um, and the the effects look great. The costumes yes. were great. The That fight scene in the last episode was probably... It, I mean, it was definitely on par with, like, Winter Soldier and Falcon and, you know, just really well done. I absolutely loved um, Layla's, you know, I think her name is Mae Kalamaway. Um, oh, okay. I absolutely loved her costume. Like, oh, man, I was yes. all about that, you know. And that one line where the little girl was like, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she was like, yes, I am. <laughs> like, I thought that was great. You know, I, I really liked that stuff a lot. Sorry to interrupt you. Please finish your thought. No, but I just I think after every episode, I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And I think that sort of mystery, because I didn't know much about Moon Knight. Prior, mm-hmm. prior to this, I know we're getting into like deep into the intellectual property of Marvel. I had no idea. So I was really having my hand held mm-hmm. throughout this mm-hmm. and I felt lost. I felt like I didn't understand what was going on and I desperately wanted to understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And in that last episode, it didn't come together for me. Yeah. This is funny because we almost never say this, but you said it, I said it, and then actually my friend Lydia also said it. We all said this show needed like two to three more episodes. Yes. And usually we're saying the opposite, but this one, it didn't have enough um, to really kind of get these characters to the point where we were like, yes, I I have a sufficient understanding now of the pain and and what's happening and why it's happening. And, you know, part of it might actually be because there was a big scene that was planned in the past that got cut. The director wanted to show ancient Egypt and Khonshu's first avatar and like why oh. he even needed one. And like, you know, the whole falling out between him and Amit, like there, that whole thing was planned. It was actually even supposed to have Eternals in it. Oh, that would have been cool. Wouldn't that have been cool? And then Disney was like, that's too expensive. We're not doing that. <laughs> it's like, why, Disney? You have so much money. I know, right? Um, but, yeah, there, there there, needed to be, I think, more here. I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it is difficult, and I'll always hand it over. And I think, you know, we talked about the Netflix effect. I think Disney has a similar a, a problem where it's kind of their Marvel shows at the beginning are kind of plotting. Like it takes too long for them to establish what they're doing. And then boop, here's the ending. But I think in this case, not only did it take too long to establish what they were doing, but it took too long for me to understand the full effect of how all of the characters and, you know, interacted and trying to figure out, okay, this is interesting. This is another personality. This is how he was, uh, he created these other personalities. It was just, it was too much going on with too little information for how it really impacted the characters. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And 
I, I have to say, I really enjoyed it. I actually thought the first episode was Moon of Moon Knight was one of the strongest opening episodes of any Disney show that they've done. It was so well written with the like the blackouts and them waking up in different areas and, and on the tr- in the truck, like you know. Yeah, I, and so there was a lot of stuff that was done here that was really well planned and well plotted out. Um, and I don't know if this was an editing thing, like maybe too much got left or cut on the on the floor. But it it did feel like there there was some real key aspects of this just missing somewhere. Um, I feel like we didn't get a real strong sense of Layla. Um, right. We, we were told a lot about her instead of shown, which is not necessarily very effective. We did. Did we even get like any scenes with her and her father, like flashbacks or anything? No. Like, and I. And, and this is just me thinking. Oh. Um. So I'm guessing her father's someone important. And he's going to be played by someone important, but I guess we have to wait if there is well, a second. In theory, thing. he's dead, you know, because he was killed. At but the. We know that people aren't really dead. Well, I mean, thing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, yeah. I mean, I I had high hopes because I love the I I love Egyptian mythology. Oh yeah, all of that was great. That was yeah. really well done and like real fun. And and the other character that I didn't really like, I didn't really get enough was Harrow, like. I, 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 I kind of, maybe, I guess I understood his motives a little bit, but it did feel a little bit like, why are you doing this again? Like, what? Right, like, right. And then I, at one point I looked at Damien and I was like, where did he get that staff? Did they ever establish where that no. came So like, that was another thing where I was like, okay, you, you, you were Conchu's avatar. You got fed up. I get that. Conchu's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. You you got out, but we don't know how because he won't let Mark you know out of his contract. You flipped to another Egyptian god, but I'm not sure how because this Egyptian god has been like sealed away. So it's not like she was talking to you, you know, like the way Khonshu and and uh, uh, Tawawet could talk to some of the other characters. Um, you ended up with this staff. You're going to free this god who's going to wipe out half the... It's going to Thanos the world, basically. Yeah, exactly. We're going to Thanos everybody again. Um, I just didn't really understand why he or how he got to that extreme level. And then, yeah, I don't know. There's just some... There just felt like there's some missing parts and pieces here, like some some gears in the machine that really needed to be just, just stuck in to make it 100% complete. And it's it's unfortunate because so much of it was so compelling and mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac was so good. And I know people complained about Steven's accent, but I loved Steven's I accent. I did, too. And it reminded me of, like, Orphan Black, how yes. with each person out, well, with each different clone, there was different. I mean, he com- he fully committed to it. and Yeah, he, it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed Ethan Hawke. I did. did. For, you know, he 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 didn't have a lot of work to work with, but he did very well with what he had to work with. Mm-hmm. I liked how through the whole series you could hear the glass crunching in his sandals. Yes, and that was creepy. And I, you know, you know, a lot of the times when we watch like, and even going back and watching, you know, the quote unquote origin stories for certain characters, it's like, oh, well, there could have been so much more instead of two hours, and it's like. There's got to be some fundamental problem when you have it, it must add up to like five or six hours. Of yeah, some origin. of these episodes weren't very long, right? Yeah. And it's like 
and there's still you still want more mm-hmm. like it so I, I you know I know that we have Miss Marvel coming out mm-hmm. her 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 origin story is pretty well established so I'm, I'm hoping they don't deviate from that too much that's what like I'm just hoping like getting these quote because let's put it this way you don't hire Oscar Isaac to keep him on a TV show yeah, although his contract ended with that show. If oh, he's going to come back, it? he has to renegotiate. Well, I mean, I've been I'll... told he did that on purpose because he didn't want the golden handcuffs or whatever they call oh, them, the golden yeah. shackles. <laughs> I mean, at this point, everyone in Hollywood is going to be in some sort of Marvel property. It's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, but it's just something where even with Miss Marvel. Now, see, I know nothing about Miss Marvel except what you told me. So I'm just hoping that the origin part of it is done better. And I'll give Disney the benefit of the doubt because this is the first television series that is an origin story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you had Loki and WandaVision. They were already pre-established. You, yeah, right? you yeah. knew that. Uh-huh. They had that built in. So I uh-huh. will give it the benefit of the doubt and hope, you know, that it gets better. And then the only other thing that I want to bring up is that I feel like because they keep pushing these shows out and they're not done any season twos yet. There's just season one, season one, season one, season one. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of characters floating out here in the sea right now. You know, we've got all of our big pre-established Marvel characters like Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch and everybody who's still around Thor, you know. But now we're getting all of these other people that are going to start coming in. Miss Marvel and Moon Knight are we going to see them in other places? Are there going to be movie crossovers? Are we going to have an Avengers-style movie where all these characters come back? It it feels very disjointed at this moment. And I think I need something to start pulling stuff together a little yeah. bit, if that makes sense. No, I, I think I, I understand it. Because I think, like, if you were to create, like, a flow chart, <laughs> like, essentially, it's like, Okay, here's phase, all of the people introduced in phase one. Here's all of the people introduced in phase two. As we've gotten deeper, there are so many more, you know, people that we have to know. Mm-hmm. And, we, and, and like how they interact. I mean, even the cast of the Eternals is bigger than the original Avengers. So yeah. it's like, there's just so much, there's so much introduction to characters and you're just hoping that there's going to be a follow through and a natural ending for all of the characters like we got with, you know, the original Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I hope there's a plan. Yeah. I mean, I trust there is a plan. I mean, yeah. 5G is the man with the plan. So let's uh, let's reserve judgment for a little while and see what we see, what see where we go. Um. Overall, I did really enjoy Moon Knight. There was a lot to really love. I mm. I think his costume is one of the best in Marvel. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, And Oscar Isaac is awesome. So I would love to see him in other Marvel things. And I really hope that they bring Layla back and that she's able to stay. Because there is a pre-established character that she's pretty much designed after in the Moon Knight comic. Um, It wasn't her. But it was called, like, the Scarlet Scarab or something like that. 
I might have that wrong. Somebody will correct me. But she <laughs> she is based on an actual property that they could keep her around and keep her in that role. And and I, I think they need it. I think she's a good compliment to him. So. All right. Hmm. Are you ready for our aunt's favorite, the Batman? <laughs> the Batman. <laughs> awkward title aside. It is. It's such an awkward title. Like I hadn't thought about it really until you said it. But now that you said it, I can't unhear it. Well, you you know what? I was talking to someone and um, they had said, I was like, what did you do over the weekend? And he was like, I saw uh, the Batman. And I was like, oh, you saw the Batman. And as I said it out loud, I was like, this sounds like ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, how was the Batman? <laughs> like, you know? And it's just like, as you say it, you're like, this is so, re-. I feel like, like I was on an episode of Seinfeld. Like, the Batman, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our goal now is to say the Batman as the much Batman. as possible for the next 10 minutes. So it's the Batman. <laughs> speaking of the Batman, um, how do you feel about Pat Pattinson, Robert Pattinson as the Batman? I thought that this young man, <laughs> I'm talking like my, like my aunt would. Mm-hmm. Um, I he's was, a very handsome young he's, man. He's very handsome. He's really very from, handsome he's young from, man. He's really British. Did you know that? I saw him on Regis and Kelly, and he's no. been, oh my god, that hasn't even been on for like. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, we're off the rails. At I know this we're, point. So, we're so off the rails. Um, I was surprised at how much I liked him. Oh, agree. In this role, because. I know um, my only complaint is a soap is a stupid selfish one. What what is it? Like not enough shirtless scenes? <laughs> <laughs> I I thought of that. Like um I feel like he wasn't as bulky. Like he he I think he needed more muscle to be up to be the Batman. Like he but, he looked almost scrawny to me. Like I wanted to give him a steak. It, well, I can see that because he's not known for being like a super no bulky guy and it made it seem like the suit that he was in was some kind of like mechanical man that he was (laughs) controlling from the inside because him outside of the suit he he felt like like less than half the size of the suit if that makes sense no i i feel like inside the suit like there are pulleys and levers in there is it's it's like a mech it's like pacific rim you know yes and then also he can't sneak up on anyone with those boots like no. you can hear him stomping around and i'm like oh okay so he doesn't run like he's no. not a running batman <laughs> <laughs> is this gonna become a new genre like zombies does your the batman run or yes does, does he doesn't seem like he's very light on his feet even when he was beating up that group of thugs i was like oh he's just taking his time and then i I realized he can't move that well that's (laughs) why (laughs) because because it's a metal suit you know yeah and he's recording things and he's Uh like you know very slow and deliberate when he talks but he's a very methodical the batman yes and Mm -hmm. like in in comparison to other things, I know a lot of people were excited because there was no scene of his parents getting killed. Yeah, that, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I feel like if, we've done that enough. If you really want to see his parents get killed, you have to watch another movie. So mm. it's like, I mean, I like that. The one thing I would say is I was, my complaint with him is he was so emo 
in it. Like I felt like I, he needed to be listening to like, you know, emo music from like the early two thousands. And okay, I have, I have a response to this, but I just wanted to like brush his hair back. Cause it was know, constantly in his eyes. I know that was totally on purpose in my mind because I think what they were doing with this, this Batman was they were basically establishing that he was very sort of young and immature and he was going about this totally the wrong way. He was vengeance and they made that very, you know, they established that early on. But if you watch like the end, he has a total 180 at the end where he realizes he cannot be that symbol anymore. He has to be a symbol of hope. So the whole movie wasn't like an origin story for him, but instead of an origin story, it was like a growth story. Mm-hmm. He actually had to grow as a superhero because he was the, you're right, he was the emo, angry, depressed, selfish Batman. But by the end, you were meant to see him as undergoing this stage of growth where he realized he can't be that person because he basically made the Riddler. You know what I mean? Right. And I mean, the other thing is, if you didn't get all of that, the the symbolism is the Wayne Manor is a real dump in this one. It's at the top of a corporate tower. Yeah, it's it was just, so weird. I, I mean, I kind of liked it as a metaphor, but yeah. I was just like, I it remember. It needed a Swiffer or two. It needed something. like, yeah. And I think that's because. Maybe a Roomba. <laughs> it's just like going around and it keeps <laughs> slamming against his boots. Your Roomba is stuck at the edge of the cliff. <laughs> He's like, we lost another Roomba. And then it shows him, like, taking it apart and using some of the mechanical parts for some of his stuff. No, right, in the suit. Yeah. it's a mechanical suit. <laughs> and, like, even, and I think, you know, we're really paring it down to basics. Because even the Batmobile, I'm like, did he make that? Like, you it was got, like, like, a, it was like a charger. Yeah. <laughs> It was, I was like, oh, because you get like all of these. Normally, it's like it's like, oh, I mean, Morgan Freeman in the uh, Christian Bale series was like, oh, we got the Department of Defense to create this, and it's like this really cool looking car. But like in this one, it's like, oh yeah, he doesn't have any help. He no. ba- he barely accepts Alfred. Yeah, and he's like, I'm just gonna build this myself. I don't need any help. And then he like swings his emo hair back. That's what I'm imagining. It didn't happen that way. But all that being said, I mean, Mm -hmm. I liked the detective Batman. This was my favorite part of this movie was that, I mean, Batman is a detective. If you read the comics, this is the thing that every Batman movie up until this point has forgotten for some reason is that Batman is a detective. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, they brought that back and they told a really cool detective story with a mm-hmm. superhero. And I am so down with that. That was my favorite part of this. That and Zoe Kravitz. Yes. It's like. She was awesome. Like you always wonder what attractive people, what their children are going to look like. And Dude. now we know like <laughs> the power of Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet combined. My goodness. Like. I know. Yeah, that it's, girl is gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Um, um, but And she was very good in this and very cat-like. And there yes. were actual cats. It was subtle, but I liked it. I liked it. I liked her homemade suit as Yes, well. I did too, with the little ears sticking out. Yes, up. yes. And I mean, no offense to Michelle Pfeiffer. You were fabulous as the original Catwoman. 
Um, but nobody would create a suit like that for themselves. Come God, on. No. You gotta move. You gotta be yeah. able to like, walk. You gotta, like, you can't walk without squeaking. Exactly. And can you imagine what that must smell like after you take it off? Oh, like, God. You gotta turn I, it inside out. Yeah. And, like, Febreze it. With Febreze. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just liked how it sort of just brought it back to this point where, I mean, obviously Batman is not a believable thing, but you brought it back to, like. It was grounded. Yeah, it was grounded. Like, you could mm-hmm. see this person doing that. You could see, like, she's avenging her friend. Right. And she's wearing something from home. Like, exactly. it's. And even the Riddler. Congratulations to Paul Dano for being so creepy. Oh, that he was great as that. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was the best Riddler. I mean, they took a character that was ridiculous. And mm-hmm. they somehow managed to make him basically grounded and believable. You know? Like, it's- it worked really well. It really, really what did. What didn't work was Colin Farrell. Oh, but we're going to talk about that a little later. But yeah. the, and I think this is a, another this is just a you know problem with all movies of this genre is they tend to pack the villains in. Like it's, you, it's not necessary. You don't need to do that. You can right. you can tell a story and you can end it and then you can bring a new villain in later. It's totally fine. You don't need to like line them all up like dominoes, you know? And I I think with all of the bat all of Batman, I was gonna say the Batman, um, all Batman films, there's a minimum of two villains in mm-hmm. each of them. Sometimes there's more. I mean, this one, it kind of worked for me to have, um, you know, the Riddler and Falcone. That that was fine. Yeah. And I actually would have been okay with, um, was it Colin Farrell's was Penguin, basically, right? Yeah, I forget what is. Yeah. yeah but Oz he was or something. Yeah, yeah. Oswald. Oz. Um, yeah, so I would have been okay with that, with him as a bit character who, you know, come back, comes back later in another movie and is more of a, you know, prominent role. If it wasn't Colin Farrell in this weird suit, like you, because you know from that moment, if you knew it was Colin Farrell, you know from like, well, here's a big name dude mm-hmm. in this bit part. Obviously, it means something. They didn't have to do that. They could have just put anyone in that role, someone who looked the part without the suit, exactly. and then you know that person could have been a, a villain later, and you it, you would have still had that subtle setup, and it would have been all right. But I, I liked I liked Riddler and I liked Falcone. I think that the rest of them were maybe a bit, maybe forced, especially the Joker. One, that was at really not, ne- yeah, not needed yeah. at all. Because it's, it's, it is no simple feat to be the, the Joker nowadays. Um, I yeah. wouldn't, I would not want to pick it up, especially after Heath Ledger and even uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, it's not, I don't, why didn't they get him to do it? Exactly. I mean, like this they, is their unit. He's in their universe. Right. They have those rights. That's not. That's not like they have to go negotiate with someone to get that. That's theirs. They could do that. Why? 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 <laughs> I, and like, I just didn't understand like that sort of setup at the end. I really felt like Colin Farrell was overacting yeah. in the role. That sort of detract because these were all, I think, you know, even. Uh, the Riddler it was a nuanced performance like he could Mm -hmm. have been giving so much more and I think that that counterpoint they were all holding back something and it's that's a problem with a lot of it's the interpretation the actor's interpretation like of how they're going to present 
this, you know, this character that everyone knows. And Colin Farrell, it just felt like he was in a different movie than the rest of them. Yeah, he was in the the old movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and <laughs> Yeah, he's right along there with uh, you know, Danny DeVito and yeah, it, it's, you know, Jim Carrey. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. you know, Tommy Lee Jones. I mm-hmm. mean, it just felt very out of place to me. But like I said, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, even at a three hour running time. Yeah, it was a long movie and it had like three endings. And I mm-hmm. think the first two were really, really good. And then the third one was a little bit, it ran a little bit long. It had like yeah. sort of like Fellowship of the Ring syndrome <laughs> where it just couldn't end. Um, and I feel like the director maybe tried to push himself a bit too much. Like he kind of, it kind of seemed to me like he had this checklist of things that the studio had said, you've got to do the following. You've got to introduce a new Batman. You've got to establish a new Gotham. And it would be best if you destroyed that Gotham so that we could rebuild it later. You've got to establish the following three villains. You've got to establish Catwoman. We need this Alfred. We need this, uh, you know, you got to establish Jeffrey Wright as uh, the future Commissioner Gordon. You you know, yes. you you got to get I mean, he had this whole checklist of stuff down and it just after a while, it just felt like, OK, you could have saved some of this for another movie. That's what <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. The movie there. It went it went too long. Like you said, I, I was like, was that it? Like because I had been sitting for a while, like I was thinking, oh, OK. And then I'm like, oh, no, there's still a half hour left. Okay. Right. We did the same thing. Like when you when the Riddler is caught, if you will, it was yes. like there was still like a whole hour left. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, OK. And like you said, it was just so much trying to do so much. And it's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, you're going to be getting a second movie. Right, it's been exactly. confirmed. Like, yeah, just save some of it. Save some of it. But I mean, all things considered, this is probably my second favorite Batman movie. So Which, I was gonna say, what's your first? It's the first Nolan one. See, I have a real sweet spot for Michael Keaton. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, sure. I, I know it's like because he yeah. was. It's probably because he was the first yeah. that I saw, and yeah. I thought he did really well. Even watching, I watched. I want to say like last year. I watched it and I was like, okay, even though Jack Nicholson is ridiculous, like that's Jack Nicholson. That's what they wanted from him. Like Michael Keaton still holds up as as Batman. Yeah, no, I I absolutely 100% agree with you. So, mm-hmm. but no, I like I said, I was kind of like, I don't know. I know that Damien loves Robert Pattinson. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, he sold me. I'm totally fine with him here. Yeah, no. And I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I was just concerned because I feel like he's he's like a pendulum. Like he he he's another actor we'll talk about in a little bit. He hates the Twilight films, even though the Twilight films are what made him famous. Mm -hmm. So he completely rejects them and will just do kind of indie films. And he's great at he's great. He's great at that. But I'm like, is he ready? Because he couldn't handle Twilight. He still can't handle Twilight. Like the mm-hmm. fandom that exists from that. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like when you're a, a, a really good pitcher. And you're playing in a small league. Like are you ready to play for New York or Boston. Where the stadiums and the fans are going to be rabid. Like that's mm-hmm. how I kind of felt like him stepping into the Batman role. Mm-hmm. Because people are going to rip you apart. Honestly, I haven't heard anything bad about him. I think no. he really won a lot of people over. I'm totally won over. Sure, I'll take more shirtless scenes in the future. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am on. Bring it, do it. I mean, I, I, and I really would love to see another detective-y mystery Batman movie because that, that to me was the best part of this was that there really wasn't an, a, a whole ton of action. There was definitely some action, especially mm-hmm. towards the end, but the, the action was more subdued here and it was real cerebral and, um, real you know detective-y kind of cop drama kind of feel to it and man did I really like that so I'd love another one of those for sure I I did too and like the whole thing when we've talked about this before with reboots and we've been through so many Batman and Spider-Man and all of this is Mm -hmm. if you're gonna do it do something if you're really gonna reboot something put your own stamp on it and I and this definitely did that definitely definitely did Mm -hmm. so I was really happy about that because it was a Batman we've never seen before not a batman the batman <laughs> he's the batman no like really like next time you're like have you seen the batman like it's it's a, it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud you're not wrong all right on that happy <laughs> note <laughs> shall we move on to our flag means death Yes, yes, Okay. Let's do it. So this was a show that um, my friend Lydia watched and loved, and then she told Damien to watch it, and I watched it with Damien, and then I told you to watch it, and you, like, devoured it, right? Oh, I, I loved it, and I don't know what took me so long to watch it because I love Reese Darby, who plays Steed, not Steve, Steed. What? <laughs> <laughs> What else was he in? Like, do I know him from anything? So he was in Flight of the Concords with um, Jermaine Clement. And it was also a Taika Waititi uh, produced. It was on HBO. Uh-huh. Um, he was also in What We Do in the, the Shadows. Oh, and I did see that. Who in the, so in the movie, he plays the werewolf. He's the leader of the werewolf pack. Oh, okay. And he has the, like one of the funniest lines from that. Like one of the werewolves swears. And he's like, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that sort of ridiculous humor. So like he's popped in and out of things. He's never starred in anything like you know been leading man but mm-hmm. this was just so ridiculous it's based on a true story about a aristocrat who decides one day that he wants to be a pirate so he leaves behind his life of luxury and every single person on the crew i loved how developed they were and how oh, you got yeah. to know them and all like these just strange characters yes. that you know no one who would I would say is like you know traditionally attractive just a whole bunch of like wackadoodle people um, I'm not, Lucius was my total favorite um I totally <laughs> loved Lucius <laughs> Lucius was so funny and I looked him up and I was like I don't know where else he's been like this is something he's been on in a lot of British stuff but not never anything here mm-hmm um, I loved, I love that. I love Jim. I love. So Jim, I want to bring up is actually a non-binary gender fluid yes. actor who was born in Puerto Rico and does go by they, them pronouns mm-hmm. and, you know, is a very proud, um, LGBTQ plus actor and, um, very, very involved in LGBTQ causes. I mean, I thought Jim's character was handled so well in this and, I will admit that like they them pronouns is is a problem for me. It's something that I have to work on at school because you know I, I I yeah I have kids who want to be referred to as they them and 
I've been teaching grammar now for 16 years. So my brain is like programmed that they, them is plural and it's no disrespect. It's just plural. <laughs> so I, I know. And it's like when I put there, like when I'm writing there, like instead of saying his or her, it's yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it's tough. And hearing it, hearing them refer to Jim so um, offhandedly as with they, them pronouns was actually kind of useful for me. I, I noticed it right away. Mm-hmm. So I won't say that it was, it it wasn't like it didn't blend into the background for me. It didn't it didn't sound normal. It definitely sounded off, you know, because the grammar part of my brain caught it immediately. But it also sounded good, like it sounded respectful. You know what I mean? So it was it was nice to see that character and to have them treat that character with that amount of respect because I I felt like it was helpful for me in a weird way. And I was actually listening to another podcast, and this show is so beloved by people in the lgbtq community because i I can see why no like because of how they handle um jim because of how there are there are many same-sex romances Mm -hmm. on this show and no one blinks an eye it's not presented as anything other than two people being in love and Mm -hmm. and i think you know it's it was just something it was refreshing for me. You had a lot of big um big names in it, like Leslie Jones as Spanish Jackie. Like she Oh god, I loved her. She that was, that was one of my uh, favorite scenes in the whole movie or in the whole series is when Jim was talking to Spanish Jackie and was like, You need to tell me the location of all these people. And she's like, Well, there's a dead one over there. There's yeah. a dead one over there. The rest yeah. of them probably died of old age. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> No, it is. It's like so funny. And I was like, even uh, thinking when they reveal, like they take off when Jim's disguise is revealed, they're like, oh, the nose. And they're like, Andy talks like, and they talk now (laughs) because he was they were sorry. They were playing mute because Mm -hmm. they didn't want their voice to reveal that they were any amount of femininity or anything like that. Exactly. So I it, it was something I and I don't say this often. But it, it was something that if you watch the first episode and then turn off, you're you're gonna miss the entire like if you're the first episode is not something that you adore, keep going because mm-hmm. it gets progressively better. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um I mean Taika Watiti totally won me over in this. Like <laughs> as, just one hundred percent. As as Blackbeard. Um, whose beard isn't black, you know. No, no. It, <laughs> You know, I actually I read on IMDb that he wanted Blackbeard to dress like uh, an extra out of Mad Max. Oh, nailed it. Yeah, totally nailed it. And it's just like all of these misadventures with different with different people they come across. It's I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed it's silly. It's a silly short of so, but it's also very smart Mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah, the the I don't know, we're going we're jumping into the last episode here, but I can't help it or close to it. Um, When when Steed goes back home Mm -hmm. and actually is able to, like, reconcile the 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 woman who played his wife had this brilliant moment when you know she's talking about Doug right and 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 he says and she says you know I hope you can find that someday and he says I think I already have and she says what's her name and he says Ed and then she and then he says his name is Ed there's this 
look that comes over his wife's face for like half a second. And it's so brilliantly played where it's like you can see her brain going, oh, like that explains that explains everything. (laughs) And it was such a brilliant moment that it's just worth bringing up, you know? Yeah, because you get to see their, I guess, unhappy courtship (laughs) as part of the show. And Mm -hmm. she is honestly and it was it was so well done when he returned and she was upset because like she, he basically was ruining her vibe. Like she had this whole great life going on right? without him there with him dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then how they, and it was just like how they concoct his quote unquote death. So she could resume that life. It's just Mm -hmm. so, so funny. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's, it's a very well done show. um, And definitely worth watching. From start to finish, there's no bad episodes. And there's it's one of those shows where you can constantly be like, oh, remember that scene with the seagull? Or, you know, like. <laughs> I'm just, like, thinking about, like, just the stupid stuff. Like, they get the ship and it runs ashore. And then. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's just all of this. It's it's a goofy, quirky show. And it's I like watching just, like, a half hour of just really tight, funny comedy. It's very dry, which I yeah. also enjoy. Yep. So, yeah, total thumbs up there for, yeah. I mean, honestly, I would give thumbs up to everything in our big three today. Um, all I, enjoyable for different reasons, but all, all well done. Yeah, I mean, I would say the same, it, you know, but once again, like, I didn't love, I loved Moon, I liked Moon Knight. I liked what it was trying to do. I would recommend watching it, but not looking for any clarification (laughs) (laughs) maybe you get it in the comics i i had a bit of a an insider's opinion who's read some of those comics yeah exactly like i don't like i have two dogs and they don't do anything yeah you've got me and i feed you information intermittently (laughs) exactly (laughs) um all right so shall we move on to our three questions to ponder yes we should Okay, first question, why is Netflix so tone deaf on pricing? Um, and there's a there's a few aspects of this uh, where we can, you know, spew our hatred of Netflix all over yes. the microphone. Um, as much as I do love Netflix, they are giant jerks lately. Mm-hmm. And um, not only do they keep raising prices, but they experienced the first subscriber drop that they've ever experienced yes. since they were a company, basically. And um, their reaction to this subscriber drop is head scratching, to say the least, (laughs) instead of um, thinking, you know what, we've been jacking prices up pretty much yearly, like on a on a cable TV level for the past, you know, X amount of years. People just went through a horrible pandemic. Inflation is at eight percent. That's probably why we lost subscribe. No, 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 no. Instead, the message was, you know what our problem is? Password sharing. Yep. That's absolutely the problem. Nailed it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to, they're like, what? They're looking for like kill switch devices to like sever if you have more than like registered to multiple people. Like what they're going to start doing is charging you $2 per additional user per month. Which I like, honestly, I'm getting to the point and I know we can go back and listen to podcasts where like, oh, no, Netflix has got me. I'm getting really upset with Netflix because has your so my my renewal happened. So I've been bumped up 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it is by far the most expensive streaming service. I believe HBO is $14.99, but they also have, and which I have, is the $9.99 option where you get like an ad. Oh, I didn't know they had that. Yeah, so I don't mind it. I mean, no, I wouldn't mind that either. It's like watching, so it's like that's a big difference. And because there are so many different streaming services, it's like, yeah, I'll save that money and Mm -hmm. watch and watch an ad or two. Here's the main issue that I have. I go back and forth between two places to live all the time. Mm. One of those places is in California and the other one is in Nevada. I take my Netflix subscription with me. So if I'm watching Netflix here, that's me watching it on my account that I pay for. And if I watch Netflix in Nevada, that's me watching it on my account that I pay for. I'm not sharing my password. But on Netflix's end, are they going to come after me for password sharing because I have the same account in two different states. Um, see, I do password share. And 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 so, like, you know, can I fight that? Or, I mean, because th- that's the kind of that's the kind of hill that I would die on. Is like I would fight that, and then if they wouldn't come back and say, "Oh no, we, we agree, you're not password share." If they wouldn't give me that, I would cancel out of spite. Here, here's <laughs> here's the thing that I get upset with Netflix about is for a long time, they were the only kid on the block. They were the only streaming service. And they have known for many, many years that other streaming services would pop up. There's everything. Every single provider has their own streaming service. And they don't produce their own content because the content already exists. They already have the IP. So, you know, so their expense is not that much. And Netflix is losing its IP. Look at all the stuff that was taken when Disney started Disney Plus. Right. And they're losing all of their Star Trek stuff. Like I'm trying so hard to finish Deep Space Nine. Like I'm in, I think the second to the last season. Yeah. Um, I'm trying so owned, hard to finish it. It's owned they, by Paramount, right? That's right. And they're going to pull it. So, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the whole thing is like these bigger studios have so many different divisions and they don't really have to spend the money to produce it because they already own it. And with Netflix, I think they made some bad investments and they're not making their money back and they're spending too much on producing content. Like, don't get me wrong. I like the Adam project as a movie, but they made that movie. I don't want to know the budget. I know it's over a hundred million. They're never going to make that back in the traditional sense of putting it in a movie theater. Right. So I just think like it has Netflix is being like a dinosaur and adapting to this new streaming reality. And it's instead of being like, oh, okay, let's try to rethink it. They're like, no, let's just make our customers spend more money and let's make them if they are happening to share a password, we're going to take that away from them. Yeah. So technically what that would mean is I would be paying adding math i'd be paying about 21 dollars for netflix right and when there was a poll that was put out and asked if people would pay the extra two dollars for the people they were sharing the password with the overwhelming majority said no yeah i would either want that person to pay me the two dollars every month 
or the, you know, the various people that I'm paying, that I'm sharing with, I would want them to pay me that money because I don't want to pay for all these other people, you know, or 13% of them said they just canceled their Netflix sub. So you're going to end up with all of this. First of all, you're going to end up with a bunch of new cancellations. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up with a bunch of drama because people are now going to be going after you're you're forcing people to go after their own friends and family members for this money. Right? Yeah, exactly. And you're going to completely overwhelm your customer service division because there's going to be so many people who are going to be like, no, I'm not doing and whether they're lying or not, those people are still going to overwhelm your call center, your chat center or whatever to complain, you know? No, and I, I mean, I do share passwords, but that's because Streaming services are expensive and everything yeah. is so spread out where you're like, okay, if I pay, you know, $6.99 for Hulu and $6.99 for Disney, and then you add it up and it's like, oh my God, I'm spending like $50 for streaming services. Right. So it makes more sense from a consumer perspective to be like, okay, I'll pay for Netflix and Hulu. Alin, you get HBO and, right. you know, whatever, and we'll share. And and that's not because we're trying to break any laws. We're just broke. No, exactly. And the other thing is, like, uh, you can't really go in and watch it at the same time. And I'm not pirating your stuff and, like, uploading it to places. It's just literally people who have nothing. There's nothing. Like, we've talked about the world is a dumpster fire. Why are you taking away things that we enjoy? All right? I don't have very much left. Exactly. Exactly. But there is, like... You know, Stranger Things is ending. I talked earlier at the beginning of the pod about how Ozark and Grace and Frankie were were ending. And I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start keeping an eye on what I'm actually watching Mm -hmm. on Netflix. And if I have to, I'll do a quote unquote free trial like to watch The Witcher if it comes back. Right. Exactly. You know, that sort of stuff. What we're going to end up doing at some point is making lists and well, I'll have a I'll have like a Hulu list, a Netflix list, an Apple mm-hmm. list, an HBO list, right? And right. everything that I want to watch will go on that list. And then every two, three months, I'll get a streaming service, ch- check everything off the list, cancel, yeah. get a different streaming service, check everything off the list. And it'll just be like, it'll be a lot of work on my end, but that's basically all I could do to afford it if this is the way of the world, you know? Exactly. And I mean, I hate to say that. And it's like with Stranger Things ending, that's another show. That's going to be off the list of things that I watch on Netflix. Um, so it's just something where it's like, okay, I can call your bluff. Yeah. You, you want to spend money like you're a Bitcoin millionaire? Fine. I can withhold my money. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have any. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like with everything that's going on, you normally get like a year free from like either your cable provider or you know, something random. It's like, here, you bought a new Apple device. You get a year free of Apple TV. And it's like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Netflix gives you nothing for your loyalty. <laughs> yeah, zero. Do you know how long we've had Netflix? I've had Netflix since it was DVDs in the mail. Oh, exactly. Like, do you remember when the pressure of having your queue, like you would try oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. move you things You can bump up. things down and then yeah. you'd feel guilty because you were like, oh, that Oscar winning movie, I just bumped it down again. Yeah, and it would be like, okay, this movie is coming out on Tuesday. I'm going to move it up to the top position knowing that it's probably going to get bumped and I'm going to get this one instead. I mean, yeah, I don't – I remember, and this is probably like six or seven years ago, I was at a friend's house, and they still had the Netflix that you put the DVD in the mail. I go, oh, my God, I didn't know that people still did that. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I guess it exists. Someone out there is doing it. But I mean, yeah, there's no loyalty for being. I'm trying to think like how long we'll have to look up how long that Netflix has existed. Because I remember when I used to do the same thing with Blockbuster mm-hmm. because you used to be able to return it in the store. So I can give you a basic idea because I'm about to have my 10th year wedding anniversary with Damien. Okay. And I was getting the DVDs in the mail before I moved to California. So we're looking at at least 12 years. Wow. It's like, and they adapted. They were like, yeah, people aren't going to want this anymore. They're going to want to stream it. And now they just haven't adapted to the new reality. It's so. the Toys R Us mentality. Oh, I know. I was talking to my sister because she has a, you know, obviously my niece is a year and a half. And I was like, she's never going to get to go into a Toys R Us or, mm-hmm. a K- or a KB Toys. That's right. You know, they just don't exist anymore. Or a Filene's for that matter. Oh, I know. Any, anything <laughs> like that, you know. Oh, uh, we're old. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do the next two quickly all right fair enough yeah yeah um so i know this is something that ticks you off so the question is what is with this current prosthetics fad in hollywood and the basic idea behind this question is we seem to have a lot of actors who are starring in roles where either they are starring as like their older versus younger self Mm -hmm. or they're just putting on a lot of makeup and parts and pieces in order to be something completely different like colin farrell in the batman Um, now I know for me, I can usually kind of overlook this a little bit. Sometimes it's like, huh? But so, you know, most of the time I'm kind of okay with it, if not just oblivious, but you seem to like, it seems to jump out at you a little bit more. So talk to me about why this is, um, bugging you. Well, so I get a little bit upset. Um, and because I just noticed like there's a prosthetics craze it's something where um, if you wa- I know you didn't watch, but I watched the uh, impeachment on FX chronicling the, the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal. And some of the actors chose to wear prosthetics to look more like the actors, uh, more like the people they were portraying. And some chose not to. Mm-hmm. So it was distracting to see Clive Owen as Bill Clinton with like an obviously fake chin, fake nose fake eyebrows and then you have Edie Falco just walking around as Edie Falco playing Hillary Clinton and it's like I don't think the audiences are dumb enough to not pick up on the fact that's supposed to be Bill Clinton and that's supposed to be Hillary Clinton and then you have actresses like um, Sarah Paulson who wore a fat suit and fake teeth and you know a fake nose to play um, oh my goodness Linda Tripp And it becomes more distracting because it's just kind of like, okay, especially when it's not the same across the board. So I get people wanting to wear prosthetics to try to look like the person they're portraying. But then you have, I call it the Jared Leto problem. So Jared Leto is in House of Gucci. Mm -hmm. He played Aldo Gucci and he wore a fat suit. He wore a skull cap to be bald. He had everything, all the works, did not look like Jared Leto at all. And what all I could think of was, isn't there someone who could match Aldo Gucci's physical description, like an actual actor, to play this person instead of having Jared Leto spend like three hours 
in a makeup chair every day. Like no one knows who Aldo Gucci is. It's yeah. not like, oh my so God, you, that looks nothing like them. Right. So you could make that same argument for Colin Farrow's character in the Batman. Exactly. And then I know you had said in the Adam project, they could have found a younger actress. Um, I to can't play remember. Uh, Catherine Keener. Yeah. It's yes, just yeah. something that is just very, very distracting. And I'm just upset about it. Like, for the fact that there are other actors that could have played Aldo Gucci. There are yeah, other maybe actors. Maybe somebody who needed work, you know. It, yeah, exactly. Someone else could have played the Penguin. Big deal. It's Colin Farrell. It's not 2000. I'm not wowed by Colin Farrell anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're losing a lot of that, like, oh, this big Hollywood actor who commands a $40 million paycheck just to show up kind of, st- you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only thing where I just think it's a time waster. So you're wasting the time of the makeup uh, team to do that every single day. You're shaving off hours where you could be productive on a movie set to do this when there are certainly other people, other actors that exist that could play this role and it's not a make or break role. Mm -hmm. So that's what it just like upset me because it was just like, "Mm, I feel like we're wasting time and money. Yeah. By doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just saying this, like I know I talked about impeachment, but I'm saying it from a perspective of a fictional character or a character who people do not know what they look like. It just seems to me that you're just wasting precious time in filming. Fair. So that, that, that's my rant. When I saw Colin Farrell, I was like, really? And we know why Colin Farrell did it because he has an HBO max deal for a series for the penguin. Oh, yes. Hmm. But then that means that he's going to have to go through that whole process for the television show, too. Exactly. And I'm just thinking, um, you know, when we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, you hear Zoe Saldana and Dave Bautista say, I will never do a TV series because it is too long to be sitting in that chair. The mm-hmm. makeup, the makeup is too much. Hmm. So I don't know. I just I just don't see why. You couldn't. I'm sure I cannot think of someone who could have played these people, but give me some time and right. I could. Sure. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Not okay. worth it. Okay. So last but not least, we want to go a rant in the opposite direction. So instead yes. of a, a negative rant, more of a positive rant. Alin, why can't Hollywood be more like Nicolas Cage? I didn't realize how much I love him until I saw the unbearable weight of Massac talent massive mm-hmm. talent in theaters where he basically plays it's a meta version of himself and he pokes so much fun at all of the roles and people's perceptions of him there's even a younger uh version of himself that talks to him which once again the makeup it's not it's not makeup but it's like cgi they de-age him it's weird it's off-putting but you know, there's this whole scene where like they hug and they kiss and it's weird. But I mean, it, it's something where Nicolas Cage has acknowledged that he's all over the place with the movie he makes. I mean, he's someone who goes from being Oscar nominated in Moonstruck and leaving Las Vegas to 
playing <laughs> John Travolta opposite John Travolta in Face Off, which is a really good movie. It's a ridiculous it's not. movie. It's not. It's a it's a ridiculous movie that only could have been made during certain years in Hollywood. Okay. And, and you have to like suspend belief. It's what I like to refer to as a good bad movie. Okay. Okay. All right. Like you're not watching it for the performances. You're watching to be like, this is a train wreck, but I want to see what happens. Mm. Um, and he pokes fun at himself and his persona. And, you know, I mean, think of like 20 years ago, he was headlining the National Treasure movies, which were a lot of fun. I love the first National Treasure. I'm not going to lie. Right. I mean, no matter how hard you've tried I would guarantee that everyone has at least seen five Nicolas Cage movies because he's so prolific. Ooh, you should bring up a list and we should see if I've seen five Nicolas Cage movies. Okay, so let's talk about, so let's talk about the Nicolas Cage. Like I was just saying, like the other thing about Nicolas Cage is he got a question. I'm pulling up his list of movies. Um, What movie do you regret doing? And he Hmm. said, he said, none. I don't regret any movie I've done and it just made something clicked because I saw an interview with Sandra Bullock recently and she was like immediately speed to like mm-hmm. she threw it right under the bus literally mm-hmm. ha the bus um, oh god no <laughs> I know I didn't mean to do that but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like you want to slap these actors who are so ungrateful right. because even your worst day would be the best day of our lives, you know? Right, right. And it's like, how, you're kind of ungrateful because Speed made you a star mm-hmm. and you were an above-the-name marquee, like, in that movie. And, yeah, it didn't do great. It didn't make sense, Speed on a boat. But guess what? A lot of people spent money that they could have spent on other things on going to your movie, and you should respect that. Fair enough. Right. Um, to add into your rant, um, uh, you reminded me when you were talking about this earlier that Nicolas Cage did an AMA on Reddit. Um, AMA stands for Ask Me Anything. And what they usually do is they have the person hold up some kind of sign, you know, that, you know, s- proves that they're there. It has the date on it or will have like, you know, somebody will say draw grapes or you know what I mean? Like they'll they'll pull they'll pull up some kind of sign to say I'm, I'm actually here. Right. And mm-hmm. then they'll answer questions on Reddit. And um, I want to read some of these and some of the answers because they really help epitomize everything you're talking about. So the first question is, what's the movie quote that you hate most when strangers holler it at you in public? And he says, I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm just glad they remember the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what movie can you watch over and over and still not get bored? I can watch Apocalypse Now and Spirited Away. <laughs> He's a renaissance man. Yeah. Yeah. What is your dream role that you have yet to play? I would want to play Jules Verne's Captain Nemo. Can we make that movie? Let's make oh, that movie. Oh, let's do it. Right? Um, let's see. If only three of your films could be preserved for posterity, which would you choose? His three were Bringing Out the Dead, Leaving Las Vegas, and Pig. Oh, okay. Which director would you like to work with? I would love to work with Christopher Christopher Nolan, Ari Aster, Robert Egger, and Spike Lee. Those are all quality, quality mm-hmm. directors. All right. So you have seen the National Treasure. Now I'm putting the in front of everything. You've you've seen National Treasure. Uh-huh. 
Um, did you see? I've seen The Rock too. I was gonna say you must have seen The Rock. Mm-hmm. So that's two right there. Did you watch Con Air? Oh yes. So that's, there's three. That's three. Did you watch Face Off? Uh, yes, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's four right there. Okay. 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 Did you see Gone in sixty seconds? Ooh. Oh, the one with Angelina Jolie with the tattoos. Yes. Yes, I have. Bing, 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 bing. That's yep, just five. Yep, we have a winner. Yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, no matter what, because he's just been around. And the other thing that I thought, like, as I was looking, um, I'm going to swear, guys. It's not like a real swear, but it's the name of a movie. Did you see Kick-Ass? Oh, yes. He I was love in, that movie. He was in it. Yeah, he was the father. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, he's just kind of everywhere. Um, and he'll do anything in any genre, and I just love it. He seems like such a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And he was in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, remember? He had a oh, voice yeah. role. He, he did the voice, yep. Yeah. Um, so can we wrap it up with a Nicolas Cage story from this Reddit AMA? Let's do it. Okay, so here we're gonna we're gonna roll it out with this. The question was, what's your favorite pasta shape? Hmm. Here's the answer. I once went to an Italian restaurant in San Francisco with Charlie Sheen. This was about 25 years ago. Okay, good. We we went because they had a tube pasta that was square. And for some reason, Charlie Sheen was very interested in trying square tube pasta. So we went and we both ate it and we loved it so much that we went back the next day and ate it again. I just can, I would like to ask how much cocaine was involved in this trip. (laughs) But I, I love it. I love it. I just, I didn't realize, like I said, I didn't realize how much I loved him until, and recommending when it comes out for streaming, you watch it because you're, you're just going to enjoy it. Like Pedro Pascal is in the movie, the Mandalorian himself, and he plays a, he plays funny. Like he never gets to be a funny guy. Um, and there, yeah. So that's it. We love you, Nicolas Cage. That's our show. He's obviously listening. <laughs> As always, we'd like everyone to like, follow, and subscribe. We love to see the numbers go up. You can find us on social media, pretty much all of them, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams. (laughs) (laughs) Just search for three speech and look for the bears. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll see you next time. And thank you again for being, as always, our our very loyal five listeners. Everyone take care. (laughs)